guys, you should see the look on my face. I am super excited. I'm doing an instant turnaround for this podcast today, as in recorded it, launching it, because I can't wait to share with you this conversation with the amazing Nat Kringudis. She is a two times best-selling author, acupuncturist, speaker, writer, herbalist, mum, wife, you name it. I honestly don't think that there's anything Nat can't do. She's warm. She's funny. She's insightful. This conversation is going to be really impactful if you are on your own fertility journey. We also cover all sorts of things on contraception, the contraceptive pill, understanding your body, trusting your body. Honestly, if you have ovaries, you are going to get something from this. I assure you. Nat Krinkudis, twice best-selling author, acupuncturist, herbalist, writer, speaker, guide, and all-around great time. How are you? Oh, you're cute. I am very well, thank you. How are you? I am great. I, Nat and I, this is our actually our second time <laughs> trying to record this because we did record it. We did. But I had all the technical difficulties that day and it just wasn't happening and Nat stepped up to support a woman in need and then Nat had the technical difficulties, right? Oh, I'm so sorry. I always surrender. For anyone that doesn't really know what we're talking about, we lost the first recording. It was on my computer and my computer went through a special time and I had to delete everything and re, like redo whatever that is, whatever Apple told me to do. Um, but I always surrender to the fact that it was needed to be something was there that wasn't supposed to be there for whatever reason. So we're going again. I love that. I'm all yeah, about that. That's that's like, let's leave it a couple of weeks and we'll have a, have a new conversation. And yes. Nat, thank you so much again, honestly. Oh, you're so welcome. If you aren't following Nat, get on that because not only is she a wealth of information and what's your Instagram handle, Nat? It's, you're going to be surprised by this. Okay. It's Nat Kringudis. Whoa. <laughs> Mind blowing. Oh my gosh, guys. I hope you can remember that. If you are not already following, not only is she a wealth of information, as I mentioned, it's so, she's so funny. You're so funny, Nat, on there. And I'm always getting a giggle. And you do like, you give so much through that. So I really appreciate you giving um, us your time again today. But the reason that I reached out to you originally to record podcast number one was because one of my community members was struggling with her fertility journey, but more so the fact of everybody continuously chiming in on that, asking when the baby's going to be here, asking when people are going to, um, asking like the couple when, um, you know, when you, when are you guys going to settle down oh, and have yes. a family? And how to handle that? Because obviously this, um, a couple of women actually spoke up about that. And, you know, if you are in the throes of a fertility journey, that's not panning out, you know, as you may have originally thought, those sorts of questions can really, really, you know, trigger you and make you, you know, spiral on all the things. What's your thoughts on that? 
Well, I understand totally. And, and again, we see a lot of women in the clinic and over my many years of treating infertility or fertility, I don't like to call it infertility. I just don't think anyone's infertile unless they've unfortunately had like their body chopped in half um, without being rude. Um, yeah, but it. over time, huh? That's it too. That would do it. That right. body chopping in half, yeah. Exactly. But over time, I really have... Um, fine-tuned a lot of this because there's so much psychology involved in conception so much more than just the 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 physicality of what needs to happen or the biology um and so first of all you know i mean i start to get women to think how can i use any opportunity like a superpower how could i even use someone as annoying as my mother-in-law who keeps on asking or my best friend who thinks she's doing me a service by referring me to somebody else or whatever it might be when you just want to roll your eyes back and punch them in the face how can we use that to our advantage and so i started to think about this a lot and came up with one thing i have my patients now say when ever anyone asks and often it's someone you actually don't really know that well but it can very often also be you know a wanting grandparent or whoever it is i always say you just can't turn around and you say oh my gosh yes i'm so excited and ready for whenever that happens and it's almost like you just get to push back tell them to shut up you're ready you're waiting but you're not pushing away the very thing that you want because we so often pretend that you know we, or we live in this pretend situation where we don't tell anyone we might be trying, we don't tell anyone we might be having some challenges. We keep it all to ourselves. It's very heavy. It's very um, isolating. And it's not that you're going to go and tell everybody your history or story. It's just actually putting it in a positive frame um, to allow what you actually want to come into your life rather than pushing it away. Because if you're sitting there going, someone says you know when are you when are you going to have children and you've been trying for two years and you go oh i don't know someday or you know we're not quite ready yet or i mean psychologically that your every single cell in your body is listening to what you are saying and so if it's eavesdropping on you saying not now or not yet well it's just doing what you're telling it to do that's so true and it's all about that vibration and keeping that um thought process open um it is a really rough time. There's always that two week wait. I remember when I was in that space myself and I did go down the, um, woe is me part. Is this ever going to happen? And the rest of it. And the two week wait was, you know, you're either waiting to ovulate or you're waiting to find out whether or not this was your month. Um, how do you suggest that, you know, the women who work with you and come to your clinic, um, cause you do work both online and in clinic, which I think is just amazing. Um, how do you support them or encourage them to support themselves through that, you know, the natural, um, ups and downs and that longing that comes with a fertility journey, if it hasn't been, you know, where you wanted it or expected it to be by now. Mm. I mean, it's, it is, again, it's hard because it is such a stressful time um, and so a few things I have to instill or reinstill in patients is first and foremost their body belief they have to be able to believe that they can do it if they live each and every month thinking they can't again you know you're just telling yourself something that you don't want to happen and it is really powerful and, and the reason I know it's powerful is because I see it happen time and time again um, and I get women to 
from the minute they start consulting with me, I tell them that they need to start to think, act and pretend and behave as if they're already pregnant. What decisions would you make today? How would that feel? How would it feel if you were, if you knew you were four days early pregnant and how would that feel? And again, for some women that say, well, I, I, you know, I have a history of miscarriage. Well, I get that that can be scary, but it's still exciting and you shouldn't discount the excitement of that either. So I think to start to think and pretend that you already are just takes the pressure off a little bit and shifts your focus because who knows, in that two-week wait, you could be. You don't know. Um, And then also playing the what-if game. What if I was pregnant this month? What if it was my month? And just to make it a bit lighter and not quite as heavy as what it has been in the past because, like I said, if you're telling yourself the opposite of that, it's extremely stressful. So... You know, it's just playing some tricks, I think, with your with your mind um, to start to create some lightness, some brightness, some space and, and start to invite in what you want, not what you don't want. Loving that. And it's all mm-hmm. it's all a choice, isn't it, in terms of what we focus on? And I think we forget that. Oh, my goodness. It's so a choice. And I know that can be hard to hear too. Yeah. You know, how do you know? You're not me. Well, I don't know. I will put my hand up and say, I don't know. I didn't have fertility challenges and that's not part of my story. That doesn't mean, you know, we've all got challenges. No one's exempt. Um, But I have seen hundreds of thousands of women. And so it's like, well, maybe I do. (laughs) You know, I might not have seen them. I've had to try and guess how many women we've had through the clinic. Maybe maybe I've personally seen 30,000 people, but through my networks, you know, I've had contact with hundreds of thousands of women. And so, you know, it is, um, I said to a patient the other day, because she was sort of in that frame of mind, I said, what makes you think you're so special that it's, it's like never going to happen. And if every single day your body's actually working in a way to try and get you pregnant or protect you, um, and that's all it's doing, even if it's not working the way you want it to, we are designed as women. We're pretty much set up on any given day that our body is preparing either for pregnancy or, well, actually for pregnancy or to be pregnant. Like it's not actually doing anything else until our menopausal years. If you think about it, even if you are struggling there's a reason that you're struggling and the reason that you're struggling is often a protective mechanism. So it's just, I think if you start to reframe this a little bit, um, I'll tell you something, maybe this is why we had to re-record this later, but I had a patient very exciting a couple of weeks ago who's been coming to me for maybe five months yeah. um, and older and wanting to have children and we help women have babies, you know, 46, 47 um, years of age, which they're often told that that's not going to happen. Um, and it, it's not that it won't happen. It just takes longer. That's what I've got to keep telling these patients. It just takes a little bit longer. Anyway, um, she sat down and she said, oh, my goodness, I can't believe I'm pregnant. And I'm like, oh, I can. Oh. And she says, yeah. she says, well, I she's in her forties. And she said to me, well, we were booked in for IVF. And I said, of course you were. And she said, what do you mean? And I said, well, it just tells you that the problem's not physical. And she said, what do you mean the problem's not physical? I said, the minute that you surrendered and handed it over, which is the hardest thing to do, but the minute that you surrendered and gave the problem to somebody else and took your hands off the wheel, that's what happened. And so therefore 
physically I have no, I'm not stressed out about you being pregnant in your forties at all. There is no physical problem here. It was so mental for you and you basically just packed it up and gave it to somebody else. And so that's hard as well. Surrendering is without doubt the hardest thing you ever have to do in life in general, but there's so much power in it. And it, the hard part is it's got to be true surrender. And how hard is that? <laughs> oh, that's the hardest because we like to think that's the worst. Yeah. We're like, oh, I'll just put it over here, but I won't think about it. And then you're constantly. Katie, if we could bottle it, we'd be rich. Totally. Bottle surrender, we'd be rich. But I, I do see that. And we hear these stories all the time. And so it just speaks volumes about the mindset piece, the physics, physical stuff. You can tick that box. That's not. That's not impossible. It's it's really the body belief part. My goodness. And that's that's just that's for everything within life. It's not only fertility. It that can be on any 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 of the blocks that we're putting in. And I encourage everyone to have a little, you know, like hopefully you're not driving, like when I suggest that you do this, like close your eyes, take a few moments and have a think about where you could be blocking yourself with a belief system that, or like a wanting or a yearning or a micromanaging or controlling, whatever you want to call it, and a belief system that could actually not be serving you in terms of- Or outdated or someone else's, your mum's, whoever's, someone else's. (laughs) The other thing we're often doing, you know, is is adopting someone else's, um, whatever it is, mindset, timeframe, whatever, and it's not ours. No, or it was once and you've changed, you've grown, you've learned. It's no longer yours anymore. That's another big one. I also saw, and I did think, I I think I shared it. No, I did share it. When taking it, moving it from the mindset back to the body, everyone, we're all quick to point out our symptoms, right? Like, and you shared a post on it was like bloating, gassiness. um, I think headaches, all of this we're all quick to want to stop the symptoms of anything that's going on, you know, that might be uncomfortable, but you posed the question and the way that you worded it. And I loved it and fully frothed on it is like, <laughs> why, why are we getting those symptoms? What, like, what is oh, like, yes. the next that was like the people's minds were blown. And then they were arguing with me about the fact that no. And I'm like, no, <laughs> no, there's a reason. <laughs> exactly. Again, you know, you're not that special that you're a mystery. Like, (laughs) well, you are special. Everyone's special, but you know what I mean? I'm just trying to flip it so that people can feel like there's a little bit like, huh, yeah, okay, fair enough. That's, that's the harsh reality of it. Completely. And I had it myself um, recently, like my iron will often swing really, really low. And I was like, oh, chatting to a girlfriend. And this was after your post. And I said, oh, look, I've got to go to the health food shop. I've got to get my supplements and she's like but why aren't you absorbing iron and I was like yeah see that's the shit like that's the question that we need to be asking ourselves like well why isn't our body you know um functioning ideally why am I getting these headaches why am I you know spotting several days a month all of this rather than just taking a band-aid approach just to stop the symptom and everything else is like hunky-dory the why is particularly hard with fertility, I guess, as well, though, because we're often not having someone look hard enough. And that's why if it's the only thing that you hear today. I think it's so important to ask why. If you're, you know, on the IVF path, especially, you're just told things and what's next and this is what you're going to do. And, you know, I often ask the why. You know, for example, 
your uh, um, specialist wants to trigger on a certain day, I will have the patient say, why? Why am I triggering on day 11 when that's not necessarily a, a developed um, follicle? Or, uh, you know, there might be a, a good reason, but I want to know why. Or it might be that... Um, I had a patient this week. She's a complete mystery. Like on paper, I'm like, I can't work your why out. I can work out how to fix it. You respond to things, but none of this makes sense on paper. I need to go and work out what's going on. And so it, I do play detective all of the time. And I absolutely love it because you get a solution when you can work out why. But if you're only going to treat, you know, the headache or um, or even if it's something that it's more PCOS or endometriosis or whatever the presenting complaint is, I'll say to patients, if I can't work out what's actually going on, perhaps your environment, perhaps you're in an unhealthy relationship. Like there's a reason that's keeping you in this perpetual state of overwhelm. We have to work out what that is. It might be internal, but it might be external too. Totally. And it's that it's, we will, I know that when I was sort of started blogging and everything years ago, there was that get the inside right and the outside falls into place. And it's like, mm, that whole, that meme must've been shared a thousand, hundreds of thousands of times, <laughs> but it's actually, it's got to be a combination of both. It's like our external world also impacts our internal world, just as our internal thought process and the way that we're feeling within ourselves impacts the choices that we make externally. Yes, 100%. Yeah. And I think it's the missing, the reason that this is such a uh, mind stretch for many of us is we've either never had to think outside of the box um, or uh, we've just done what we've been told always. And it's not to say your doctor doesn't have your best interest at heart, but that's not their job either necessarily to, they don't practice detect skills in the same way that's not their job it never has been so it's been interesting actually throughout the time of you know the last 2020 has been all of the goods um, and when I keep asking people to put some thought or, or ask questions as to what they're doing how they're feeling what's going on from them in their part of the world people have been saying to me oh my gosh Nat like the critical thinking part of it is just um, it's just too much and, and it's just, uh, you know, a, a lot. And I'm like, this is, I've done this my whole career. That's what I actually have to do to get solutions is I have consistently had to think outside of that, but it's really only now we're starting to appreciate the, the power in that. Oh, absolutely. And I can definitely see, and I, you know what, even the conversation amongst my friends and my mum friends, it's like, definitely starting to take over the last five years or so um, a more holistic approach, like wanting, you know, to find a GP that talks to the naturopath, that talks to the, mm. um, like, or even just listens, listens. Absolutely. <laughs> and isn't, you know, like on the clock, like obviously we mm. all have to be on the clock, but even more like this year, especially you've got your 10 minute time slots. A lot of the time with your GP, I know with the kids and the boys, whenever something's had to come through, it's very like, no one's got their hands on you anymore. No one's, you I know, know, you know, what's funny about that though. I've been begging for this type of, this type of model forever. And when um, this all happened, so for the last few years is my son's got a genetic condition and we, he's, um, you know, in the need of, 
according to the system in need of regular checkups. Now I've been pushing back on this for years. I'm like, he's not, he's asymptomatic. Why would I take an asymptomatic child into a germ pit? I don't want to, I want a telehealth. Um, and for years, they're like, no, no, can't do that, can't do that, must come in, must see the child. All of a sudden, now we're all telemed and a first telemed appointment, our paediatrician said, well, Nat, you got what you wanted. And I'm like, yeah. it took a frigging pandemic, but yeah, I did. But you did, so <laughs> and, that's how but, I <laughs> Right? And I'm so happy and it works, but it makes me laugh. It's the same as I rang our GP and I just wanted some blood tests done. And I was like, well, for the first time ever, I'm going to actually do it because all I have to do is make an appointment, pick up my phone, ask for the blood drawer and that's it. It's going to take me five minutes. Whereas ordinarily, if I had to go and do that, I'd sit in a waiting room at best for like what, an hour. And then I'd get and then I get my five minute appointment and then like that's it, it, it ends up being an hour and a half out of your day and I'm just not that committed. I don't have any major issues. So yeah. I did the same thing. I just rang for my blood test, five minute conversation. Then he says to me, I suppose you want the results yourself. I said, yes, please. He said, okay, bye. And that was it. I was like, <laughs> awesome. We'll see so, when you look at it that way. I can see how it's absolutely way more beneficial and more time like efficient, but yeah, I can see how. You know, and I know, I, I would say this in my experience, however, what it's actually done in many instances is actually empower the patient to do the work. Whereas when they're coming into the clinic, and again, I don't mind this in certain scenarios where they're handing it over as if it's your problem, but sometimes the work starts when you leave the clinic, not when you come in. And if you're not committed to doing the work when you leave, then nothing's going to change. So you know how you said at the start, I do both telehealth and in-clinic consultations. Mm -hmm. I actually find my telehealth um, patients have quicker results because they're often unable to come here. They don't take it for granted that they can and they actually do the work. Well, that's very true. That is absolutely true because I work predominantly via Skype and like I would say 95% of my like coaching sessions are via Skype and they work just as well. So there's mm -hmm. one of my judgments on the system that is actually turning out to be really effective. So thank you for pointing and that also, out. I mean, I think it's, that's so as true. A, you generally know, you generally have a gut feeling about your kids and what they need. And I hope you have a gut feeling about yourself and what you need. And if yeah. you don't, I would be encouraging women to definitely see if they can tap into that. It's the amount of women that say, I just don't trust myself breaks my heart. Cause it's like, well, if you can't trust yourself, who the hell can you trust? Like that doesn't even make any sense. So I think body empowerment and body wisdom, like we spoke about is, is so important. Well, that's okay. So let's talk about that for a second. The trusting ourselves, like I, I definitely think that most women or most people don't understand how great they're like, it's possible for them to feel. Um, and especially if like we've, you know, like I went on the pill when I was 14 for skin issues and that sort of thing. Um, but then coming off it was one of the best decisions I've ever made 15 years later. Um, but I didn't have any idea how good I was meant to feel. And I'm actually finding out now, like the more research I do and the more that I experiment with different foods and different ways of fueling my body, the better I feel um, because I am making that empowered choice. But do you see that? Like, well, of course you would. Like the, that most people 
don't um, or aren't aware of how great they're meant to feel and settle with a, or have been living with things that they weren't actually, um, that they don't need to be like unnecessary pain, unnecessary anguish, um, that sort of thing. Like, are you, do you ever see that? I don't know if I've worded that question very well, but. I get what you're saying totally. Of course. Well, there's a couple of reasons that that, that happens. Firstly, it depends on how old they are when they start on any type of birth control. But I think the younger we are, the pill is the most common thing that we would use for contraception. If we're using it for something other than contraception, that's when it becomes a, a fairly big issue because you're, mas- you're only masking symptoms at that point. It's not The pill doesn't treat your problem. It just flatlines your hormones. So you are basically, in that, that instance, getting some relief. Um, so the problem with that is that when you come off the pill, often you haven't actually addressed the problem. Um, and you can feel one of two ways. You can feel a hundred times better or a hundred times worse. But having said that during that time, you've totally disconnected from your body. You have no idea how you feel at that point because you haven't had that opportunity when it comes to your your hormones and what they do because they've been sort of halted. So I think it's important to understand the pill does change so many things in your body um, and the knock-on effect of flatlining your hormones extends to every area of your body. Uh, And so, I mean, women will come to me and say, I didn't know what it was like to feel like me and I'll take my period pain over my mood swings any day and I'll say well we'll fix the period pain so don't worry about that I'm just glad you feel like you again but you will not know what that feels like if you don't know what that feels like it's it's just you know it's you can't know what you don't know well that's so true now one thing that I learned through your page which I didn't know and you've just touched on it there um this what does the pill actually do because I was shocked at, you know, I thought that it was, well, obviously if you don't want to have um, children and you've made that choice or you don't want to have children right now, it's a great, it can be, you know, it serves its purpose as a contraceptive. It definitely does that. But I definitely wish I would have known, um, like, especially in the years going on after, you know, early twenties and that sort of thing. um, Like, what was it actually doing to my body? Like what you take a little tablet and yeah, you can't get pregnant. That or, or mm-hmm. whatever it is. Like, in theory. Yeah. In theory. Yeah. Totally. Well, I mean, like I said, it flatlines your hormones. It stops you from ovulating and therefore you're not actually getting a period. You're just getting a withdrawal bleed. That's the first thing women are completely shocked by because they think that they're actually, things are just moving along as they normally would. And no, when you shut down the function of the ovaries, you shut down ovulation. Therefore, you've, you shut down your menstrual cycle. So it's important to understand that's the first thing that it does. But unfortunately, the long-term use of any medication severely disrupts your gut microbiome. It depletes your vitamin and mineral stores. It can weigh in pretty heavy on your liver, your thyroid. It just depends on your genetics and constitution at that point. So it can be problematic if A, you don't do things to support your body whilst you're on it, But also B, if you're using it for anything outside contraception, it's not fixing the problem that you might be using it for, say, PCOS or endometriosis or, I mean, it's used from everything from PMS to to acne, ovulation pain, period pain, you name it, we use it for that. Um, 
but like I said, the issue is it's not actually fixing the problem. It's just masking the symptoms. And so problems are often tenfold when you do transition off because A, they've never been addressed, but B, the body is rather depleted over time that it's used for. Mm. And, and that's really where it becomes a problem. I think also the other thing I just want to put on the table is that the, the timing of when you start to take the pill women aren't sexually mature until around the age of 21 well sorry um hormonally mature until the around the age of 21 give or take if you start utilizing the pill in your mid to late teens you're stalling your hormones at a time of your mid to late teens which means if you were to essentially stop taking it when you're 30 your hormones are sexually mature as a 16 or 15 year old and so for a lot of women if they've used it because their periods were missing or um, they've had problems you can see why that's a big bigger problem because if it's been missing at the beginning it's going to be missing at 30 until you actually go through those ebbs and flows and so again why do for example women come off the pill in their 30s and they have acne like a teenager and it's because they literally are like a teenager at that point in time there can be other things that play into that polycystic ovarian system syndrome or excess testosterone or whatever that might be but I don't think we're told this information and especially as mothers, we're given this as a solution for our teenagers um, without enough information. And someone really should be looking into why we have these problems. Not again, why, why is this happening? Not, Oh, here's the band aid. And look, as a 16 year old, it's pretty appealing to be on the pill. It's up to us again, as women to educate young girls as to why that's not necessarily the best option. Um, because the side effects are so wide and varied and and at times aren't ideal at all. So it's not to say you shouldn't take it. I think we should have as much information as we possibly can to make an informed choice. We should do as much as we can to support our body should we choose to take it or any other medication. And we should also look at if you are using it um, because there is a known issue, see it as a short-term solution and really come in and, and fix the, the problem so that you can actually know that you're addressing your hormones for your long-term health. I love that. And you did just mention hormones then. You have, uh, you've got two books now. Can, like, it's coming up to Christmas. I'm going to release this podcast this week because I just think the work that you do is so amazing. Now, your books would be, and I know they're amazing, um, would be ideal Christmas presents for so I've many. Got many options. I'm so glad you asked. My latest book, Beautiful You, is really aimed at helping you. It's the book I wish I had when I was 14, but probably appropriate for any woman um, to either learn more about herself or to be able to get clued up to pass on that information to the next generation. Um, but it it's very interactive. It goes through what your hormones are, what they do, what problems look like if they arise, what that means. Um, it goes. It, it will tell you everything you pretty much need to be able to work out what to do. You know, if you do have an issue when it comes to your um, gynecological and reproductive health, um, and and of course it's got recipes and and lots of other interactive. Um, worksheets and things like that to really help with your emotional health as well because that's such a big part of it and appropriate probably from a 14 year old upwards um and the reason i wrote that book was actually my first book well and good which has now been out for six years 
uh, that was all around women's health and fertility. And when I put that book out, I just had this epiphany one day and I thought, gosh, imagine if we fixed it before it was broken. Imagine if we spoke to the 14 or 15 year old and really empowered them with being able to understand their body no matter what. And then, you know, beyond that, whatever happens, at least there's this foundation, fundamental understanding that we can use to empower ourselves as young women and take that with us throughout our life. And so they were kind of written in backward order (laughs) for that reason. Um, But they're all like, you know, you can access them in good bookstores and also on my website. But we're also put, we've just released and and we literally haven't promoted them that much yet because I'm still waiting on one piece of stock. But (laughs) we've just released um, limited edition packs that are going to be awesome for Christmas that have the book and a lot of a whole other lot of goodies in there including beautiful candles and you have to check those out as well they're on Instagram or on my um, website as well amazing and I am so glad that you've created um you know such beautiful resources and that whole idea well the fact about empowering women to know their own bodies because I mean it's all messages, isn't it? Every twinge, every tweak, all our cervical mucus, all of that. Instead of, I know I grew up thinking like, oh, periods, like that was something to be, you know, like, oh, the, you know, that monthly demon. And I didn't understand cervical fluids at all. I didn't understand my fertile periods. I didn't understand any of it. It was all just one big mess um, and something to be avoided and ashamed. And you'd smuggle your tampons and pads into the house and that sort of thing. Um, I just think that I totally would have changed elements of my, the relationship I have with my body if I would have seen it as a messenger um, and that I can work with my body, not against it, trying to, you know, push everything aside and sweep it under the rug. And yeah, your book, Beautiful You, is just going to be, well, it's already out there. It's doing amazing things. I just think that that would be such a beautiful gift or even for yourself to understand, like I had to ask you last podcast, like where are our hormones created? Like, is it more than just our ovaries? Like that's how, like I thought I knew, but of course I know that you thyroid and all that now that you're, you said it, but there's so many areas that I wasn't aware of. So I think anyone who's listening, who wants to gear up and learn more about their body and then perhaps share that with the younger women within their life. That would be a really beautiful um, conversational piece and a way to start that conversation. So I love that, Nat. Thank you so, so much for taking the time to share so much of that and um, really help empower women on their fertility journey and give women the tools and steps to encourage each other to have these conversations and learn more. You're very welcome. I love doing it. And I think, like I said, I really do think that the way that we change the face of women's health is to have more of these conversations, not just um, from the moment that we start to go through puberty, but throughout our whole lives as children, when they start to ask questions, answering things in an age appropriate way, um, not being afraid, but also many of us don't understand ourselves. So if we don't understand ourselves, how can we pass that information on? Like you said, so really am passionate about women being able to do that from a place where they don't kind of wonder or worry or go, is that right? Like, <laughs> um, and, and have that empowerment. It's not that hard once you know, but of course, if you don't, again, if you don't know, it can feel really confusing. So I think having the, these conversations and that level of empowerment changes even things like fertility challenges, really, because you'd be looking into your long-term hormonal health, which 
encompasses fertility as well. And then I feel like we'd see less women in their 30s being hit like a bus with with some type of issue that they didn't know was there but actually has always been there. It just never got looked at properly. I love that. I love that. Nat, where can we find you? Where can everyone who's listening, you've already mentioned where we can get your books. And well, you have mentioned that your Instagram handle is Nat Kringudis. I did, yes. It's everything's Nat Kringudis. So it's either natkringudis.com is my website or all of my social handles are Nat Kringudis. One thing I would say is if you are a little bit stuck as to where to start when it comes to your hormones and hormone balance, um, if you go to my website or we can provide a link as well, we have a really lame but very effective hormone worksheet. It's a little bit like a Dolly Doctor quiz. Um, you know, if you're mostly ones, you are this. And if you're mostly twos, you are this. But it's a good place to start as a guide to being able to profile some of your symptoms and work out what's actually going on for you. So um, I'd highly recommend if you're, if you're lost, start there. And then my website has so much information on there that you can literally use that search bar and type in your um, question or problem. And usually you'll come up with some answers. And if you don't find an answer, then you need to email us and say, hey, Nat, do you have an article on this X, Y, Z? And if there's not one there, then we need to write one. That's, gosh, Nat. You're like, honestly, you've thought of it all and so welcoming, like, and Hannah, who works with you, honestly, there's no silly questions. Everything that, you know, everything that you guys put out there really does come from such a beautiful, welcoming place. And like the whole, our body can be really mysterious to us if we haven't had someone to guide us through this, which is a shame, but thank Mm. goodness. (laughs) You are out there putting this work out there and yeah definitely um, oh thank you sure to look up now so kind well it's a pleasure I, we love doing it and it's you know once you find i think what your purpose is and why you're here then you can't help but want to do more of that but i appreciate it. that's really kind thanks nat no worries thank you for having me mm-hmm.